Hey guys, I'm Eric Greitens, Navy SEAL and host of Actionable Intelligence. Now this episode is brought to you by Heritage Action. Heritage Action is America's leading conservative grassroots organization, as many of you know. For the last decade, they and their network of activists across the country have led the fight against the Washington establishment. Heritage Action is also sponsoring Just the News for our very first Blue Courage event. And I've been amazed at how they have stood up to support our police officers in 2020. I encourage you, please, to go out to www.policepledge.com. Check out the work they're doing to get our lawmakers to support our men and women in law enforcement. To date, Heritage Action has gotten over 500 elected officials and candidates to take the pledge. This is important because they're opposing the defund the police movement and standing up for our police officers. It's incredible work. It's so important to make sure that our representatives in government don't turn their backs on the police, but instead have the backs of our police. So every listener of this podcast, I encourage you, go out to www policepledge.com. Check it out for yourself. You can sign the pledge and then make sure that your elected officials have signed on to. Just go to www.policepledge.com. Talk to you soon. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News, where this morning... We have news of a new whistleblower approaching the Senate about the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden family business. Uh, The former CEO of, uh, or the current CEO of a company where Hunter Biden was an investor and a player and where his father is rumored to have been a silent beneficiary of the investment. And yes, it involves China. We're going to talk about that. And then what I thought we'd do today is we've had so many great stories about the debate, the final two weeks of the election, Joe Biden's finances. We'd bring in some of the great reporters at Just the News. So we're going to do that. Uh, joining us today, Carrie Sheffield, Daniel Payne, and Christine Dolan. And we're going to get to all three of them right after this commercial break. Hey, folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. In a few minutes, we're going to bring in Daniel Payne. He's got a great story about Joe Biden's finances, a look at his tax returns, a look at his financial disclosure, and a question about where did some of his millions that he made after he left the White House as vice president, where did they go? 
Daniel Payne is going to give us the latest on that in just a few seconds. But before we do that, I want to talk about a story that we broke this morning here on uh, justthenews.com. It is the emergence of what I would call a whistleblower, an important new witness for the Senate uh, Homeland Security investigation into the Biden finances, Ukraine, China, Russia, Kazakhstan. You've heard them all, right? And we're, we're about to... Um, uh, learn more about that. But the most important thing is there was a company that was in the Hunter Point and portfolio. It showed up on the laptop that Rudy Giuliani made public a few uh, days ago. And there were these emails and these emails said that this company, um, uh, let me get to the exact name here. It's run by a guy named Tony Bobolinsky. He was the CEO. He says that Hunter Biden himself handpicked him to be the CEO. And this was an investment with a Chinese company that ultimately went belly up, CEFC. Uh, it's a Chinese uh, company. It went, it, uh, went bankrupt a few years ago. But before it did, it went into business with Sinohawk Holdings. That was the Hunter Biden-related company. Tony Bobolinsky is the CEO of that company. And he says those emails that first emerged in the New York Post and Fox News on our site – uh, about Joe Biden being the big guy, uh, having a 10% stake in this company, he says they're true. Those are authentic. Those are real emails. And here's the big headline. He says he has lots more emails, communications, documents, memos, financial records, showing the true nature of the Biden family's relationship to this company, Sinohawk. Uh, it's a uh, really important development because for months now, uh, Senators Ron Johnson and uh, Charles Grassley have been trying to get uh, an insider who can help them make sense of what was Hunter Biden doing? Where was the money coming from? Were they trading on Joe Biden's name? And the big question that Rudy Giuliani in that email raises, was Joe Biden, at least after he left office as vice president in 2016, was he a silent investor, silent beneficiary uh, of that, um, some of these business deals with foreigners, communist China, Russia, the Russian oligarch that we've talked about, uh, Burisma, Ukraine, uh, an oligarch there. Why is this so important? Why is Bobolinsky uh, there? Well, we've been trying to get answers. And Senator Ron Johnson, I talked to him this morning, and he confirmed that Bobolinsky is cooperating. He's providing documents. Here's what he said to Just the News early this morning. The committee is working to validate information being revealed by multiple sources. As part of those efforts, we have reached out to several individuals named in recently revealed emails, including Tony Bobolinsky, that's the CEO of that company. We look forward to their cooperation in helping us uncover the truth. Now, Bobolinsky uh, has issued his own statement, and he does say that that email that appeared on the laptop, the one that says the big guy uh, gets 10%, that it is, quote-unquote, genuine, and that the big guy is, yes, Joe Biden. And here is what, I'm just going to give you a little bit from our breaking story this morning. We had this up early this morning. What I'm outlining is fact. I know it is fact because I lived it. I'm the CEO of Sinohawk Holdings, which was a partnership between the Chinese operating through CEFC and Chairman Yi and the Biden family. I was brought into the company to be the CEO by James Gilliard, that's one of their business partners, and Hunter Biden, that's the vice president's son. The reference to the big guy in the much-publicized May 13, 2017 email is, in fact, a reference to Joe Biden. That's also what um, Bobolinsky says. And he says, 
Uh, this is what's important. He has extensive relevant records and communications he prepare is preparing to give on a thumb drive to Senators Ron Johnson and the committee. And he, he wants to say that he's a Democrat. There's a few times that he's donated, he donated to Democrats. Quote, I don't have a political axe to grind. I just saw behind the Biden curtain and I grew concerned about what I saw. The Biden family aggressively leveraged the Biden family name to make millions of dollars from foreign entities, even though some were from communist-controlled China. That is what Tony Bobolinsky, former Biden family insider, former CEO of a company that Hunter Biden created, and that he now says included a silent beneficiary stake to Joe Biden, the former vice president, the current Democratic presidential candidate. We broke that this morning. We're going to stay on this. We're in contact with Senator Johnson's committee. We'll be bringing you updates throughout the day and throughout the week and all the way up to Election Day. An important development, a Biden insider now cooperating with the Senate and particularly Senators Ron Johnson and Charles Grassley. Now we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, three of my great colleagues in, in order. Daniel Payne, great reporter. He's got some more on the Biden family finances. Uh, Kerry Sheffield, our great White House correspondent and new TV host of the show, Just the News AM. And of course, after that, we're going to bring in Christine Dolan with the breaking news about Jusane Maxwell's deposition. Yes, she's facing trial next year. The deposition upon which they have based some of the criminal charges against her, accusing her of lying about the Jeffrey Epstein sex ring. Uh, she's going to, Christine Dolan's going to uh, join us. She's got the breaking news out about the deposition this morning for us here at Just the News. She's going to tell us the latest and where she thinks this entire case is going to go. But first, let's go to a commercial break and hear from those great advertisers, those great sponsors who make Just the News in John Solomon reports possible. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, one of my great colleagues doing such great work for us here at Just the News, Daniel Payne joins us. Daniel, welcome to the show. John, good to be back. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Listen, you had one of my favorite stories this morning, and I thought we'd have our listeners uh, dig a little deeper into uh, what we found. So the headline is Joe Biden scored a $16 million windfall after he left office, as most vice presidents and presidents do after they leave office. They get wealthy off their reputation. But when you looked at what he reported in his tax returns, uh, which he's made public, and then what he puts on his financial disclosure form describing his current net worth as he enters the 2020 presidential race, you found an interesting gap. Let me see if I can do the math. So he got about $16 million of revenue in, of income in 17, 18, and 19. And uh, he, he comes into the 2020 presidential race claiming his net worth is somewhere between $1.5 million to $3.5 million. Is that a ballpark right? That about sums it up. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what we found. And, um, and, and it's worth noting to listeners that this is all uh, pretty readily public available, publicly available information. 
that Biden himself published on his campaign website right. uh, uh, as he as he came into the race. It's sort of a, a, a common tradition for presidential candidates to disclose several years of their finances. And yeah, we saw, as you pointed out, a, a pretty standard occurrence of uh, uh, after he left office in uh, twenty early 2017, um, he got some book deals, he got some speaking arrangements, and he had uh, a few years of six-figure incomes, uh, and he and his wife Jill got uh, uh, pretty wealthy uh, within those years. But yeah, when he when he lists his tax returns uh, and alongside the uh, uh, standard financial disclosure forms, uh, yeah, we we did find this gap of of a few million dollars, and there doesn't seem to be anywhere in the official documentation that that describes where that significant amount of money would have gone. Right. So we, you did some sleuthing, right? And one thing we know is that he bought a, a beach home for $3 million in 2017. And we know from the form, at least in 2020, he doesn't have a mortgage on that because he would have to list that as a liability. So that's not on there, correct? Right. Yeah. He, he bought that expensive house, but that didn't show up, uh, which right. means he probably paid cash for it. Right. Um, and, you know, when you also factor in, uh, certainly he paid a, a, a decent amount of taxes sure. uh, in his windfall years. Right. Um, so you factor that in as well. Uh, you factor in deductions. Uh, I believe they, they gave uh, somewhat generously to charity, at least over a yep. few years. About a million dollars, uh, I think, uh, we tallied up. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And uh, and yet still there is there is this uh, this missing amount of money, which, you know, it's uh, there could be a perfectly reasonable explanation. Uh, these are complex forms. Right. Uh, there's all sorts of things that could go into uh, tallying up these sorts of finances and, and places that that money can legitimately hide that, that's somewhat free of suspicion. But just the same, um, it is a, a notable amount of money that is that is just sort of dark on these finances. Yeah, you would expect someone who made a sixteen million dollar windfall to end up with a much larger uh, uh, portfolio or net worth when you were done uh, after you know collecting all that money. And so, you know, some interesting things. We know there are limitations to the form, right? You don't put your personal residences on there. Right. Uh, though, if you have a mortgage on the personal residence, you have to put the mortgage part on. Right. Uh, and so we know that he had a mortgage and, and a, a home equity line when he left the office of vice president in 2016, about 750000 to a million and a half. That looks like it got paid off because he no longer has that. Right. Uh, but you talked to a, a, um, a, a very skilled accountant up in New York who said there's about $6 million that you, know, you would think would be on this uh, financial disclosure form uh, and it's not. And so what, what was his take on it? Yeah, he, he pronounced it specifically uh, suspicious. Uh, just looking at, uh, at 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 that significant gap, I believe what he said was that if 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 he were auditing those finances, he would have questions for the 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 taxpayer uh, whose right. forms they were. So it's it, it's definitely something that that jumps out to professionals as well. Yeah, that, and is 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 notable uh, even outside the context of his being a presidential candidate, but but certainly during an election year as well. Yeah. Well, we'll give Joe Biden his due. He has released his income taxes. President Trump never has. That's always been a big issue, sticking issue in Washington. But I think when you compare what he's released with what he shows in his financial form, there are these questions and they become more pronounced now because we're now seeing these evidence emerging from these documents that um, uh, there may have been a relationship between him and his son, Hunter, where Joe Biden was a silent partner in some of these business dealings. We have this whistleblower that's approached the Senate, the CEO of one of um, Hunter uh, Biden-related companies, and he's giving documents to the Senate today. And he says, it's true, Joe Joe Biden was supposed to be a silent partner in one of my uh, uh, 
Chinese-based businesses that Hunter Biden got 20%. And the the big guy, he says, who mentioned in these emails, is named Joe Biden. Is that It was Joe Biden's 10% stake in the company. Um, do you think this story, is that where we go next, right? We, we try to find maybe some silent partner business relationships where Joe Biden might have money either parked or uh, where else Where else should we be looking for his missing millions? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we'd be wrong not to look for it just because the, the discrepancy is so large. And again, you know, we, we can't say one way or the other uh, 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 where that money is right now. Right. Uh, the, the fact that the, is that the question has been raised um, and, it, and it should be followed, uh, even with just the scant number of weeks uh, left in the election. Now, we certainly reached out to the Biden campaign several times for comment and right. they did not respond to us. Yeah. But uh, it may certainly get to the point uh, uh, before the election that they, they are forced to respond. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and at Just the News, we're, we've been doing a lot of records check, record work, where we're trying to find money and we're looking at different limited liability corporations that Hunter Biden and his business partners are in, and we're, we're trying to put that together. I think uh, this guy, Tony Bobolinsky, the, the CEO of this one China-focused um, investment that Hunter Biden created with him, uh, we now know that there's a reason to believe the vice president had a stake in that. We don't see that in either the tax forms or in uh, the financial disclosure form, which raises the question, if he's not accounting for that and the CEO says it existed, how did they pay him if any money changed hands? And we don't know yet. And where did that money go? And, you know, one of the places you would imagine uh, is to look for shelters, tax shelters. Right. So we're, we're doing that work on the ground now. Um, uh, you've been covering a lot of this and watching a lot of this the last few days, Daniel. What, where do you think the public's um, fascination is with it. I think you had a really important story with our poll the other day, the Scott Rasmussen, Just the News poll. Tell us what um, Americans thought about the idea of Joe Biden and his son making money um, while he was vice president. What was the, the sentiment that we measured in that poll? Yeah, they, they, uh, a majority of Americans and a strong majority at that believed that Biden uh, had a conflict of interest in his oversight of Ukrainian uh, corruption at the same time that Hunter Biden was on the board of a Ukrainian for, uh, firm under investigation for corruption. So, uh, you know, that that sort of appearance, whether or not it was legitimate, whether or not, uh, uh, you know, he's free of blame there, uh, definitely raises questions in, in much the same way that the missing finances do. People see that and they just want to know what's going on here. Um, right. And and thankfully, there's there's plenty of ways to to dredge this information up and get into light and get it vetted and, and, and ask the right questions. And uh, we've been doing a lot of that work, uh, particularly as the election season has worn on. Yeah, it's really important. And I think the most important thing that people can take from that poll, what really struck me is, you know, the mainstream media really hasn't covered these issues. They've tried to dismiss it as debunked. Uh, now, I'm a reporter that did a lot of the early work and pointed out this issue back in 2019. It ultimately right. led to the impeachment uh, proceedings. But at the end of the day, uh, despite the funnel, the choke point of the mainstream media, it appears that this story has seeped around to the American public and they understand it and they see it for what not only what they see it as, but we now know from the work that Senator Ron Johnson and Senator Chuck Grassley did, there were State Department officials working for Joe Biden who also called this relationship a conflict of interest, that it was undercutting U.S. anti-corruption policy in Ukraine. We're trying to get rid of corruption in Ukraine, and Joe Biden's son is sitting on a board of a company that's trying to squash a corruption investigation of its own corrupt activities. And so it's pretty remarkable to think that the American public have picked up on it and have formed a, an, an educated opinion on it even without the mainstream media uh, delving into it very much. Um, 
really an interesting dynamic we measured there. Uh, very good, Dan. Well, we're going to let you get back to work because I know a lot is going on. Uh, anything you'll be watching for in tonight's debate? You're going to be one of our lead writers for the debate tonight. What are you watching for? You know, I'm, I, I really, I think, as, as with most people, uh, uh, we're watching for what kind of questions are going to be asked of both candidates. Um, you know, uh, we all have ideas of what, what we think should be, should be best asked of both of these men right. up on the stage. But uh, what we really want are are hard-hitting basic questions of, of, you know, issues like this, critical issues of ethics, accountability, what their plans are in office. We want those questions asked, and, and we want the moderators or whoever's asking them to, to certainly demand that they be answered to the best of their ability. So we'll be looking for that and seeing if that actually happens this time. Oh, that's great. Well, our readers at justinnews.com will be lucky because you're at the forefront of our debate coverage tonight. So we'll let you get back to work, Daniel. Thanks for all your good work. And uh, John, we'll have you back on the show. Me. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Yep. All right, folks. When we come back from the um, commercial break, we're going to go to a quick one now. Uh, we're going to have Carrie Sheffield on. She's our White House correspondent, and she's going to tell us what she's been working on and what she expects from tonight's debate. We'll be back in a few seconds. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, Carrie Sheffield, our amazing White House correspondent, and now the host of our brand new TV show, Just the News AM, joins us. Carrie, congratulations on the show and welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks, John. Yeah, we'd love everyone to come out 9 a.m. Eastern, 9 to 10, every day, Monday through Friday. Yeah, it's a must watch. I have it on every morning and I love it. It's great. And my family's watching it. And uh, you've got great guests, great analysis. And uh, you've uh, you've blazed the way for us to have uh, our own TV network. So congratulations. We're so grateful to you and also to our great partners at Real America's Voice. All right. There's a few things going on today, like maybe a debate, the last debate. What do you think about uh, tonight? What are you watching for as a, as a studious journalist? What, what do you expect to happen tonight? So I expect, based on what we've heard from the Trump campaign and even Trump himself in comments to journalists, he is going to come out swinging against Joe Biden on the issue specifically of corruption. Um, but he's also going to be having to thread the needle because he's also got to sell his policy agenda and his policy achievements that uh, or his track record, what he's done in the White House for the last three and a half years. So look for him trying to thread the needle on both those goals. Yeah, that's going to be an important thing, right? Um, uh, the the corruption thing moves, you know, some undecided voters and keeps the base happy. But he's also got to tell those undecideds what does a second term look like and what did he do in his first term that they may have forgotten about during the pandemic and impeachment, all the silliness that we've been through and uh, trauma we've been through this past year. 
Um, you had some good stories uh, the last couple of days sort of talking about the dynamic. One of them uh, is actually almost a week old now, but it's one of my favorites. You looked at the difference in how people have recovered from the pandemic. And red states, those states run by Republican governors, are doing much better than those blue states run by Democratic governors. Tell me what you found about it and what sort of reaction you've gotten from it over the last few days. Absolutely. So, yes, what we did was we did an analysis of red, blue state. We also looked at purple states. Uh, and so this was based on how these states voted in the last four presidential elections. So if it was straight Republican for straight Democrat, uh, they were blue, straight red for four. If it was a mix, they were purple. We found in the red states, there was the unemployment rate of 6.6% compared to 10.5%. So you have almost near recession level unemployment in the blue states, and much, much lower, 6.6% unemployment in the red states. What we found uh, also was looking at the red states or the top 10 states who had the lowest unemployment, again, in rank order, nine out of those 10 were red states that were led by a Republican governor currently. And we generally know that the red states, the Republican-led states have generally opened their economy up much sooner in this COVID situation. Uh, the COVID pandemic hit early right. on in March, um, but the, the White House has been arguing, we know how to treat this. We know the hospitalization rates are going down. And if, even if it is a severe case, the chances of you surviving are much higher now compared to March, which is why you've seen Republican governors open their states cautiously. They're working through the different phases um, whereas in the Democratic states, which tend to be more urban and more dense anyway, um, the process has been much slower. Well, uh, that story we're so proud of because it, it's the sort of unique journalism you get at Just the News. We don't follow the pack. We do original journalism. And you put a lot of work into that, Carrie, I know, to make that story understandable and meaningful and accurate. And uh, it's just a great piece of journalism. You've got another one up. My One of my favorite stories this morning is uh, under your byline once again, and that is The Gap. Uh, that we see between the topics that the moderator has chosen for tonight's debate, Kristen Welker from M NBC News, and what Americans say are the most important issues to us. And it, it almost goes, it's so funny, it goes back to the 2016 gap that the elitists in America have one agenda and the people in real America have another. Tell us a little bit about this gap. What are the issues that Kristen Welker wants to focus on and what are the issues that the uh, mainstream of America wants to focus on? So for this piece, we looked at four major sources for polling to really get a pulse on what the American people themselves care about, not what uh, elite journalists care about, not what Beltway creatures care about. What do people from across the country care about? We looked at Gallup. We looked at Pew. We looked at the Kaiser Family Foundation, which is a respected research Firm. Sure. And then also polling from Scott Rasmussen here, original polling at Just the News. Across the board, these four major institutions, the economy was the number one issue. But when you look at the six topics that Kristen Welker from NBC News has selected, the economy is not on that list. But let me tell you what is on that list. That's climate change. And when we looked at, again, these institutions that were getting the pulse of America, real America outside the elite bubbles, Climate change doesn't even break the top 10 of issues that Americans actually care about. Wow. We also saw that the question of law and order and violence and rioting is more at the forefront of Americans' minds, generally speaking. Gallup found uh, there was a slight difference there. Um, that was the only institution. But everyone else said that the issue of violence and law and order is more important 
in priority than questions of racial division or questions of race relations. Um, and so race in America is one of Christian Welker's topics, but she did not include the topic of law and order. Isn't that amazing? The gap continues. I mean, that is the great story about the Trump presidency, which is there's an agenda that the president and a lot of Americans have, and then there seems to be an agenda that the coastal elites, the media elites, the political elites have, and they often don't meet. And I guess that's why voters are always so frustrated when they, they can't hear the topics they want discussed. Uh, discussed. It's a great story, Carrie. Great job. Uh, I know you got to get back to work because it's a busy day, but I want to ask you one last question. Every election, usually in the last two weeks when the election breaks, boils down to one question. You know, it's uh, Ronald Reagan asked it, are you better off than you were four years ago? Uh, uh, there was the Morning America. There was, uh, uh, you know, are you going to be safe, which was the Goldwater uh, Johnson um, a question in 64. What do you think this race will turn on in the final two weeks, and what dynamics are you looking to watch for in the two weeks that will tell us how the election will turn out on November 3rd? Oh, that's such a big topic, and it is a big area about, like you said, almost like two different realities. I feel like the answer to your question is there's one question, one big question for one half of America and another big question for the rest. But if I had to marry the two, I would say, which leader is best to manage through this period of crisis? We've got so many different crises on the table from the pandemic to China to uh, Russia, I mean, all sorts of national security concerns, Iran, and then the domestic issue of the uh, $3.1 trillion deficit. So all of these pressures, which candidate is best seasoned to lead in this season of crisis? Uh, I think that's a big question. Wow. That is that is the big question, right? And I think uh, what America you want to live in, right? Uh, there's two very different stark uh, visions of America. And uh, uh, voters are going to have a very clear contrast of what they want to pick for tonight. Carrie, I uh, thank you for everything you do. Uh, for people who want to watch your great new show, Just uh, the News AM, uh, let me see if I got it right. Channel 219 on Dish, right? Yep. Channel 240 on Pluto. Correct. You can get the Real America's Voice app on your iOS, Android, Apple phones. Um, you can go on Just the News and watch it under our TV tab. Um, am I missing any places that uh, we can catch uh, you every day? Also streaming on the web at americasvoice.news. Good point. That's right. They have their own website. And when you go there, you'll see our headlines. Just the News Headlines is the official news source for Real America's uh, Voice and americasvoice.news. So, Carrie, congratulations on everything. Tomorrow you got a big guest on your show, don't you? Have I heard a rumor of a big guest? That's right. That's right. We've got the VA secretary, wow. Secretary Wilkie. And um, VA issues have been forefront for this White House. So we're going to ask him what what has happened and what has conspired or transpired these last three and a half years in the Trump administration on veterans issues. We're going to talk about veterans treatments on COVID um, and how has the VA handled veterans in uh, who are in nursing homes and really comparing and contrasting that with how Cuomo has handled that in New York. You don't want to miss that. Yeah, well, I'm going to be tuning in for sure, folks. Now you know why. you got to tune in to Just the News AM with Kerry Sheffield every morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Check it out. If you miss it, it's always on demand. That's the great part about the era we live in. You don't have to be appointment time television. But sometime each day, watch this show. It's amazing. And you can see why Kerry's such an amazing journalist. Kerry, thank you for all you do. And we'll let you get back to work on a busy debate night. All right. Thank you, John. Take care. Thanks, Carrie. All right, folks, when we come back from the commercial break, we're going to bring in Christine Dolan. She's been working on one of the big breaking news stories today, 
the release of the secret deposition of Jacine Maxwell, the former colleague of Jeffrey Epstein. A lot of people call her the madam of the Epstein sex ring. We're going to learn a lot from her deposition in a few minutes. But first, let's hear from our great sponsors and advertisers who make this show and justthenews.com possible. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And we want to bring in a little breaking news. And we've got some today, thanks to the good work of our, our great colleague, Christine Dolan. She, just a little while ago on JustTheNews.com, gave us the first tidbits coming out of the British socialite, Jacine Maxwell's uh, deposition. This is a deposition that's been around, I think, since 2017, and it's been sealed for so long, and now the American public uh, can see what Jacine Maxwell uh, had to say. And uh, Christine Dolan's been on the front lines of this story and is going to tell us what it is. So, Christine, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me back. So we got 465 pages. I know we've got a little bit of um, uh, redactions in there, but tell us what the early top line is. I know you're still going through it, but what's your early takeaway from uh, from this deposition? My my early takeaway from this deposition, and just to give the audience a background, this was a case that um, was a defamation case filed by one of the victims of Jeffrey Epstein, who um, filed the suit in 2015 against Ghislaine Maxwell, who was one of Jeffrey Epstein's girlfriends on and off for uh, decades. And the during the course of the case, it was eventually settled in 2017, and during the course of the case, when it was active, uh, several people tried to get um, the discovery unsealed. The judge said at the time, not until after the case was settled. So this going back and forth roller coaster of trying to unseal these documents has been going on literally for the last three years. Right. And there's been more of a concerted effort to keep it shut down on by uh, Maxwell's attorneys since she was arrested earlier this year. Wow. But the, but the judge ruled that, um, you know, her deposition could be unsealed and it was unsealed early this morning. And it, it, it is voluminous and parts of it have been redacted. So if you go through it and you punch in Bill Clinton's name or you punch in Prince Andrew's name, that part of it's going to be redacted. But since I've been covering and investigating this for over, you know, almost 15 years, the um, I can read into it. And the takeaway from this is that Maxwell and I'm not completely finished with it, and I can file something with more details later on today, but the takeaway is that she's denying that uh, Virginia was ever in her townhouse. She has no recollection of that. She has no recollection of, inter- of uh, introducing her to Prince Andrew. She has. She claims that she's never seen any underage girls, and, and she's never participated in any sex with um, Epstein and underage girls. I mean, it's a, it's a flat-out denial. And, and what's important about this deposition is that in her indictment earlier this year, there's four counts of child abuse, and then there's two counts of perjury based upon this deposition. So she has been indicted based upon what we're reading today. 
that's what makes it very significant. And that was the reason why her attorneys were working so hard to keep it sealed because of her trial that's going to happen next July 2021. Now, what's the relationship between the charges she faces uh, and this deposition? Because this deposition is key evidence in the criminal case against her. Can you help the uh, listeners understand a little bit about the relationship of this deposition and to the prosecution she faces? Well, she or her, she's denying that she participated in sex with a, and abused any underage kids. Right. And in fact, she, her denial is in this deposition. Yet, obviously, the other four counts of child abuse against her in her indictment is because witnesses have come forward. Wow. So is there a possibility she gets charged with lying under oath in this deposition as a, as a, a follow up to this? Or could there be more charges? No, because the two perjury charges in her criminal indictment right. this year is based upon this deposition. Ah, so she's charged with lying in this deposition. That's one of the criminal charges she's going to face when she goes to trial. Two. It's two. She's got six charges, two are perjury, and wow. two are perjury based upon this deposition. So mm-hmm. that's, that's why this deposition is so important. Uh, you can see her, her taking one line and the prosecutor saying the evidence doesn't match that storyline she gave under oath. Um, she's still pretty loyal to Jeffrey Epstein. That's what you kind of walk away from this deposition uh, seeing, right? Yes, and and, I, and I'll have more for, in a later expanded piece later on today. But uh, as when I finish reading it, but as of right now, she's loyal to him. She worked for him. Yes, she didn't want to answer any questions about consensual sex with adults or anything like that. But she's pretty much denying that she ever, you know, participated in any uh, unsavory behavior with any underage girls. And she has been accused by a lot of these victims. Right. Right, right. Now, that's that's the thing. There's a big disconnect between what she recalls and testifies to and what these uh, victims uh, or alleged victims say in uh, in these cases. Um, this trial is scheduled to play out middle of next year, correct? I guess April right. of next it's year. Right, July, July. Uh, 2021. Right, and uh, there are a lot of big names that could be dragged into this trial, aren't there? There are big names, and whether or not they're going to call them as witnesses um, on behalf of Maxwell is a you know big question mark. Sure, I guess it's the a judge. big question mark. I know that um, Alan Dershowitz has been accused by one of the same victims as that has accused Glenn Maxwell. Right. At the same time, Alan has always been on the record with every reporter vehemently. Uh, since he's been accused and said that when he was in the presence of Ghislaine Maxwell, he never saw anything tawdry or anything illegal. Right. Yeah, no, that's right. Well, it's going to be an interesting few months and uh, you've done such great work, not only on the, uh, the Maxwell case, but over the last 20 years, you have been such a champion in your journalism of, of helping victims and uh, bringing to light the perpetrators of sex rings and human trafficking. And I know this is such an important issue to your personal heart. What, what motivated you to, I mean, that's a tough form of journalism to, to focus on uh, sex trafficking and, and uh, human trafficking rings. What, 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 what gave you the motivation and what gives you the, the uh, energy and stomach to keep touching such a very difficult issue that most Americans don't want to think about? 
Well, I think one, uh, when I was first commissioned 20 years ago, I was commissioned by the International Center for Missing and Exploited Children right. to do an investigation on the exploitation of children in 2000 uh, as a result of the Balkan crisis in the early 90s, which I had covered. I had covered that war. I covered three, Rwanda being the last one, the first one being Gulf One. And I said I'd never do another one again because of Rwanda. But I didn't know what I was getting into. And I'm not a victim. So right, right. I don't get triggered. Uh, I know some of our colleagues in the business who are who actually have worked with me on some of the investigations can only do one or two of them because they get triggered because they they are actual victims of child abuse. Wow. And I think I think the the reason why I don't get triggered uh, is that I, in fact, have never been abused. But at the same time, I think that my eyes opened up because I realized that we in the mainstream press have missed the extent of human trafficking, slavery in the 21st century, the extent right. that it's embedded in our society. And as a result of the Internet, it, there's an onslaught of it where we normalize this. And, you know, I tell I even tell men in my lectures that if you think you're going to, to visit a prostitute, no, you may not know in today's world if that is a traffic victim. Yeah, that's that's the scary world that we live in. And uh, whether it's the pornography industry, uh, uh, prostitution, uh, there's a tremendous amount of of, of unknowns in the um it's evil. It's evil. Uh, yeah. It's bone evil. And I think that when I realized it, and also when I was brought in by Scotland Yard and the Hague Porn Unit, right. and and all these these law enforcement that I that in my world, I mean, I think these guys are heroes. I don't know how they do their work because they're the ones that have to look at the videos. They're the ones that have to look at the film. They're the ones that have to, you know, go out and figure out how they're going to get these bad guys off the street and save kids at the same time because a lot of these kids just go missing. And when people think about it. You know, it's somebody's child. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing we can't lose sight of. Yeah. Um, and it's such a hard, you know, for people, it's, this is a hard to topic that you don't want to focus on, right? Because you know there's horrible things going on. But it's so important that we continue to keep a spotlight. And I really commend you, Christine, for all the work you've done on this. You've, you've done groundbreaking work. I know you've been all over the world and been on symposiums. And you've shined a light on an issue that so many people have been afraid to uh, to confront. So congratulations to you. And we're looking forward to more coverage on the Maxwell case because it, it's not going to go away anytime soon. No, it's not. And I think it's going to broaden. Uh, I think it's going to wake people up because I think when people realize that it reaches to the higher echelons of society. Right, right. Uh, you know, people need to not look away at it. And it's ugly. But at the same time, if people are not aware, they can't protect their own children or their own families. Yeah, such a great point. Such a great mm -hmm. point. All right, Christine, well, we're going to keep an eye on this. I know you're going to have more journalism later today. So, folks, if you get a chance, go back to justthenews.com this afternoon. And Christine will keep us up to date on all the extraordinary developments uh, happening in the Maxwell case, the release of the deposition. Uh, and uh, she'll be on this all the way through the trial, I'm sure. Christine, thanks again for joining us. You're welcome, John. Thank you for having me. All right, folks, we're going to come back in a few seconds to wrap things up. But first, this commercial break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. I'm so grateful you listened. I hope you enjoyed some of the big interviews we had this week. Jim Jordan, uh, Senator Blackburn among them. Really great uh, folks who gave us some big insights, some big news. Uh, Amanda Milius. Uh, and her great uh, new documentary that, by the way, just hit Amazon today. Remember we were talking earlier in the week, Amazon wasn't putting it out. Well, it made it through the clearance process. It's out. Go check it out. It's a great um, uh, documentary. I'm in it a little bit. I was very honored to be a part of that. All right. Uh, We're uh, going to have a lot of busy guests next week, a lot of people coming on uh, related to Biden, the election, uh, the uh, Russian case. We're going to fill up next week. We may even go five days in a row, but uh, I know today you've got a chance to see our great reporters in action. A big thanks to Christine, a big thanks to Daniel, big thanks to Carrie. Make sure to check out Carrie's new TV show on Real America's Voice, Channel 219 on the Dish Network, Channel 240 on Pluto, available on Just the News under our TV tab. All right, folks, we'll have a good weekend. We'll be thinking of you. We'll be back on Monday with a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from my favorite news site, I am a little biased. Justthenews.com. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Be healthy. Enjoy your families. Goodbye.